0: as the Scripture reads in Psalm 119 and verse 116, Uphold me according unto thy word, that I may live, and let me not be ashamed of my hope. Now, let's hear from God's Word. I submit he's been better than we give him credit for. Amen. Uh, In fact, we don't even really know all the good things he's done. Amen. I mean, he has been exceptionally good. Good when we were watching, good when we weren't watching. Good when we were living for Him, good when we were not living for Him. Amen. He has exacted less than our iniquity deserveth. That's what the Bible tells us. And the truth is, this morning, there's nobody here who deserves the love of God. Amen. I don't have to know you very well to know that that's true. If you're breathing air today, uh, then I know that you're like me. You are a human being. Amen. And every human being... Who has ever lived is full of mistakes. Amen. I mean, I'm so full of mistakes, uh, it's ridiculous. There's things I've been doing my whole life that I still can't do right. Amen. Uh, you know, I I've been, I've been I was called to preach when I was 14 or something like that. I'll be 37 this year. And you think, man, surely by now you've got at least these things figured out. No. No, every day I have to smack myself on the forehead and say, man, you sure are full of mistakes. Amen. And yet God loves me in spite of those things. And not only does He love me, but He's good to me. Amen. He is kind and He is merciful. I mean, we serve a merciful God. Last Sunday morning we came in in here and uh, we looked there in the book of Psalms about how that God is good. Amen. And how that His courage is good. And that we don't have to fear because we have a good God. Amen. That I will not fear because I know who God is. I know how God is. I know that God is a good God. He's a loving God. He is our light and our salvation. That verse said we looked at. He is our light and our salvation. He is our strength. And I say, amen, that God is good. We live in a, in a place that's dangerous. Can we all agree that the world's dangerous? It's dangerous in a physical sense, that there's actual real physical danger out there. Amen. I there's places you don't want to be after dark. Hallelujah. That's just a fact, the way that it is. But it is spiritually wrought with danger. I mean, you can't even turn on the television or pick up your cell phone without the danger of seeing something that is there designed to destroy you spiritually. Amen. I mean, we live in a place that is so spiritually dark. I mean, we're surrounded by danger. But the Bible says this, we have no reason to fear. Why? Because God is with us. Amen. That we can overcome the darkness of the world because He's our light. We can overcome... The attacks of the world because He's our salvation, and we can run into Him and be safe, and we can overcome the weakness of our own flesh because He is our strength. Amen. God's good. He's good. Psalm chapter 118 this morning, if the Lord will help me, I want to preach our second thought on this fact of God being good, the goodness of God, here in Psalm chapter 118. I referenced a verse from this chapter last week. Uh, and, and I went and read the, char- the chapter, and when I did, the Lord struck my heart with some verses here at the beginning, so I came back here this week looking at it, and, and hopefully the Lord will help us as we look here today concerning the goodness of God. We see how that His courage is good this morning. I want to look in Psalm 118, and we'll start in verse number one. We'll read about nine verses, and then we'll read a couple there at the very end of the chapter. Uh, let's begin reading here in Psalm chapter 118, verse number one. Uh, are you there with me? Say Amen. Amen. Verse number 1 of Psalms 118 says this, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good. Now say, Amen. Amen. He is good. Why? Because His mercy endureth forever. Let Israel now say that His mercy endureth forever. Let the, heron, the house of Aaron, I turned house and Aaron into one word, heron The house of Aaron now say that His mercy endureth endureth forever. Let them now that fear the Lord say that His mercy endureth forever. Verse 5, I called upon the Lord in distress. Have you ever called upon the Lord in distress? I called upon the Lord in distress. The Lord answered me and set me in a large place. The Lord is on my side. Amen. I will not fear. What can man do unto me? The Lord taketh my part with them that help me. Therefore shall I see my desire upon them that hate me. Verse 8. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. Let's skip down to verse number 28. Thou art my God, and I will praise thee. You see, he says there, he says, Thou art my God. You see that? There's a difference in Him being God and Him being my God. He is God no matter what. And there's nothing that can change that. But in order for Him to be my God, I must make Him my God. I must choose Him as my God. I must accept Him as my God and my Savior. And He said this, Thou art my God, I will praise Thee. Thou art my God, I will exalt thee. That means he'll lift him up so that others could see him. Amen. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, and his mercy endureth forever. In this psalm, which is most likely written by David, we see that the author begins and ends the chapter, which we we didn't read a lot of that in the middle because it's really not pertaining to the message we're going to look at today. I recommend you go read it. It's very good. Uh, But for the sake of time, I didn't want to go through all 29 verses. Obviously, we wouldn't have made it. Hallelujah. Brother Jason would have been screaming Pharaoh. Amen. (laughs) Amen. I'm just teasing Brother Jason. Brother Jason only says Pharaoh before and after church. I'll give him credit for that. Hallelujah. (laughs) So we understand here that this chapter begins and ends with the same verse, the same words, the same uh, declaration, the same statement that is made, which is this, "Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good because... His mercy endureth forever. And really, we could just look at that one verse and have more than enough to rejoice over and to preach about and to praise Him for. Uh, as the same is given, we see that the, the author gives a direction in the very beginning of the verse where he says this, oh, give thanks unto the Lord. And when he's saying that, he is speaking to someone, right? He's telling you as the reader or the listener that you should give thanks to the Lord. Amen. You should give thanks to the Lord. Amen. Now, he just, especially now at the end of the chapter, he has done a good job throughout the whole chapter of making sure that the reader and listener understands that he is giving thanks to the Lord. I mean, verse number 28, he said, I will praise the Lord. I will exalt the Lord. He is my God. And then he said, oh, give thanks to the Lord. He's saying this really, give thanks to the Lord with me. I'm going to praise him. You praise him. I'm going to thank him. You thank him. He's giving that direction like, Psalm 92, verse 1, where it says, It is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praises unto thy name, O Most High God. Can I tell you, it's a good thing to thank God. It's a good thing to praise God. This morning, throughout church, we've been singing songs of praise since Jesus came into my heart, right? Amen. So we we sang, God's been good in my life. Amen. That I, I'm a sinner saved by grace, that God... Save me if you could see what I once was. If you could go with me back to where I started from, then I know you'd see the miracle of love that God worked in me when He saved me. That's what the song's talking about, right? It's praising God for who He is and how good He is. Now, the verse could have ended there, and we would not have needed an explanation for a reason to thank God. Amen. This morning, I won't, but this morning I could, I believe. Uh, to everyone here this morning who is saved, and you'd say... Brother Paul, I know I've been born again. you raise your hand if you know you're saved this morning. Then I could call on you by name and say, what are you thankful for? And You want to give thanks to God. And I wouldn't have to give you a prompt of something to be thankful for. If you've been saved. Amen. Because at the very least, if you've been saved, you'd say, well, I thank the Lord for saving my soul. In fact, for a Christian, nothing else should come before that. I mean, that's the first thing we should thank Him for, for saving us from hell. Amen. For taking us from where we were and, and giving us the Holy Ghost and saving us. Amen. We've been saved. We give thanks to the Lord. But then we see there's a declaration where He says this, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. Now, He didn't have to add that part. But once He does, I can't help but think, Oh, yes, He is good. Amen. God is good. We just got done singing, God has been good in my life. I've known more joy than hurt, that verse says. I like that part because here's the truth. Even though I've had had some tough days and I've had dark times and difficult days, God has given me way more good things in my life than any amount of suffering that I have had. Sometimes it's hard to see that when you're in the middle of a valley. But if we look back over our lives, we'll see that. That's what the song says. Lately, I've been looking back. And you see all the, the tough times... But overshadowing all those difficult days are the good things and the good days that God has given us. So why should we give thanks to His name? The writer declares, because He's good. Amen. That's why we should thank Him. Psalm 107, 8, oh, that men would praise the Lord for what His goodness and His wonderful works to the children of men. And by the way, when at the end of that verse it calls that group of people He's done wonderful works for, the children of men. You know what that means? Every human being. Not just Christians. Did y'all know that God's been good to the sinner? God's been good to the atheist? Amen. God's been good to every soul who's breathed air by giving them life and giving them grace and giving His Son for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Amen. Are y'all still with me this morning? God... Is good, and that's the declaration. Then he gives the description of God where he says this: He said, Oh, let us oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, because his mercy endureth forever. So now we could say God's been good, and like I just tried to do, we could begin to name all the ways that God has been good. But the psalmist said there's one particular way in which God has been good, that overshadows all the other things right now. And that's this. Because His mercy endureth forever. Here's the truth. Without God's mercy, there is no goodness of God in our lives. Every ounce of goodness in your life is a picture of the mercy of God. Amen. Amen. This morning we called out birthdays and Brother Jerry tried to escape, but he didn't know that there is no escape. Amen. There is no escape. That birthday, Brother Jerry, is, is a picture of the goodness of God. He's giving you another year. Just a couple weeks ago we stood or we, we sang and celebrated with Pop and Martha for how many years was it? 66. That's what I thought. Sixty-six years of marriage—that's the mercy of God. Amen. You don't know how I know? Because I'm married, and I know that I don't know, if my, I don't know if my wife will make it sixty-six years without killing me. Hallelujah. Amen. Sometimes you know it's the mercy of God that God—I mean, you think about your worst—the worst day in your marriage. Amen. You think about the worst day in your Christian walk with God, because you know—you know—we say we say, "Well, let's not judge people by their worst day," right? But in the eyes of the law, that is how you are judged. The worst thing you have ever done, that is who you are. That's a bleak outlook, isn't it? So if God is going to judge me on the worst I've been, every good thing that's happened in my life is nothing less than the mercy of God. Amen. God's been more merciful to you than you would be to anybody else. God's been more merciful to you than your employer will be. God's been more merciful to you than your parents would have been and your grandparents would have been than your husband or your wife would have been. Amen. Amen. It takes a, it takes a special working of God for someone to go through times of, of unfaithfulness. Amen. Times of betrayal. Times of trotting grace under feet. And for the person who is being abused in the relationship to keep giving more long-suffering and mercy. Amen. Amen. If we were to survey marriages that are in the same shape as our relationship is with God, one, being perfect and faithful, and I mean just always there, never failing, always providing, always being good, and the other, only faithful 10% of the time, we'd say, look, there comes a point in every person's life where they've got to figure out something to do, right? And yet, that is our relationship with God. So don't think for a second that the goodness of God in your life is because, well, you know what? I think I've been pretty good this week. So I deserve a little blessing from God. No, no, no. Every blessing He gives is His mercy. Amen. It is Him giving it to you because He looks down and because of the blood of Christ, He don't see all the bad. Amen. I he don't see all the wicked. Brother Tim was talking about that word wretched this morning in Sunday school. Let's just be real. We're wretched. Amen. Oh, wretched man that I am, is what Paul said. And that fact is, each one of us, if we look at who we really are, how we really think, how we really feel, half the time we're not fit to be in God's house, much less for God to pour His blessings out on us. And yet, in spite of all of that, He is good. And His mercy endureth how long? forever. Not till tomorrow and not till the next day, but literally throughout all of eternity, God's mercy will never run out. Amen. God is good. The goodness of the Lord is present this morning in the fact that His mercy is good. Amen. <clears throat> we understand His mercy endureth forever let's look here quickly at a few things in this passage about how that his mercy is good. First I want you to see the proof exemplified in his good of his good mercy in verse number 2. We read it there it said now let Israel now say that his mercy endureth forever. We see that his mercy is, is is exemplified in the people of God. Back a couple chapters previously if you read the book of Psalms chronologically, you would come up on Psalm chapter 115. And then a few chapters later, you get to Psalm 118. In Psalm uh, chapter 115, in verse number 9, it says this, O Israel, trust thou in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. And then a few chapters later, I guess three chapters later, in Psalm 118, in verse number 2, it says this, Let Israel now say that his mercy endureth forever. So we understand... That back in Psalm 115, the author of the psalm there, who is speaking of giving glory to God's name, says this, Israel, as as a direction, as a directive, says this, Israel, trust thou in the Lord. And it's telling him, you need to trust the Lord. Amen? And then he says, they should trust the Lord because He is their help and their shield. Three chapters later, he says this, let Israel now say that his mercy endureth forever. Do you see the progress of time there? In chapter 115, he's telling them, trust God, he's your help, he's your shield, he'll be there for you, trust him. And then three chapters later it says, now Israel can say, his mercy endureth forever. Why can Israel now say that? Because they trusted in the Lord. And what happened was God proved that he was worth their trust and that his mercy endureth forever. Amen. Here's what he's saying. If Israel had put their trust in God, God never let them down. Amen. That he had mercy for them, and mercy for them, and mercy for them. We don't have time to do it today, but we could go through the whole Old Testament and see how that Israel would fail God, but if they would then turn away from their wicked ways repent, amen, ask God to forgive them that God would restore them. How many times did God do that? Over and over and over and over and over throughout the Bible. Over and over. How do we know? Because the Bible tells us that He did. And every time they would turn and repent from their wicked ways that God would restore. He would restore because His mercy endureth forever. Amen. They learned that. It was the the exemplification of His mercy is proved in the people of God in Israel. Then we see secondly there, we see in verse number 10, it said this of Psalm 115, "O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. In our text in Psalm 118 verse 3, it said this, Let the house of Aaron now say that His mercy endureth forever. So just as the psalmist told Israel to trust in God and then said now they can say His mercy endureth forever, the psalmist told the house of Aaron to trust in God And then now the house of Aaron can say His mercy endureth forever. Well, what is the house of Aaron? Who were the house of Aaron amongst the nation of Israel? That was the line of those Levites. The house of Aaron was the house of Israel chosen to serve the ministry of God. And if you're here this morning and in any aspect, God has given you an office in ministry then surely you can say His mercy endureth forever. Now, the house of Aaron were not just those who were standing and ministering as priests and, and doing the sacrifice, and doing, but they were also those who carried the Ark of the Covenant on their back. They took down the tent. They set it up. They had different parts, and it was all involving the work of God and the house of God. That was the delegation of the house of Aaron. And here's what the psalmist said. He said, Trust in the Lord, house of Aaron. He's your help. He's your shield. And then he said, Now let the house of Aaron now say that His mercy endureth forever because here's the truth. If you serve God, the longer you serve Him, the more you will come to understand that His mercy endureth forever. Surely no one understands the mercy of God better than those whom God has allowed to serve Him. This morning... uh, right at the tail end of Sunday school. I was in there just kind of finishing up some things and looking at some notes and just kind of meditating and, and making some tweaks here and there. And about, about 10 minutes before Brother Tim ended his, his Sunday school lesson, I had it playing there in, in, on the computer so I could listen in my office this morning. And I just I just stopped it and I got down and I just began to pray. I was just praying. As, as I will often do before I preach, you know, I try to get some time in prayer, some extra time. And I thought, well, I got another 20 minutes here so I could pray. I'm just going to get down and pray. I started praying... And as I did, I I looked over my message and I came to this point and I began to think about how that God has allowed me to serve Him. Amen. And how is it that the mercy of God should be so abundantly clear to those who serve Him? Well, Paul said like this in 1 Timothy 1, verse 12. He said, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, that He counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, who was before a blasphemer, and a persecutor and injurious, but I obtained mercy. Do you see that? Paul began to look back at the way that he was before and who he really was. Amen. You know, when Paul said, O wretched man, he said, O wretched man, that I am. You know what that is? Present tense. You know what Paul understood? This is who I really am. And there dwelleth in me no good thing except that Christ lives in me and that Christ has made in me a new creature. Behold, old things pass away. Behold, all things have become new. And when Paul saw that and he began to think about it, he looked there in verse 14 and said, the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus, that Christ was exceeding abundant in faith and love in me that He would call me into the ministry and enable me to do the ministry. Why? Because I can't do ministry. Paul said, I can't be a a preacher to the Gentiles and to the Jews. I can't be an apostle. I I can't be those things unless God makes me those things. So how is it that someone like the house of Aaron could understand that it is exemplified in the priests of God, this true and, and, and pure and faithful proof of God's mercy? Here it is. If God only chose those to serve Him who were fit, there'd be none to serve Him. God takes those who are flawed, who make mistakes, who are honestly kind of crazy sometimes. And He puts them in ministry. He allows them to serve, some as preachers and teachers, and amen. Some as evangelists, some as pastors, some as some as those who, who work in the church, and those who take up the offering, and those who play the instruments, and those who sing the specials, that we come to the house of God and we serve the Lord. And in doing so, we praise Him and we lift it up. And here's the truth. Every one of us who gets to commit one modicum of service to God should understand God's mercy. Because if it wasn't for His mercy when we walk in those back doors, and since last Sunday, we've filled ourselves up with junk, then His judgment would fall on us. Amen. You ever come into God's house and begin to do whatever work it is that, that you're meant to do in the house of God and think, man, I shouldn't even be here right now because of the way you've lived, and the way you've talked, and the way you've acted, you know what that is? His mercy is good. And it endureth forever. That instead of being wrathful with us, He's merciful. And you come in, and you you got that junk in your life, you got that junk in your heart, you got that junk in your head, and you've been filling your eyes with the lust of the eyes, and and your flesh with the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life, and your heart ain't right, and your life ain't right, you come in here and, And you do whatever it is that God's... I I, I have stood and taught and even preached in my heart knew I wasn't where I need to be with God. Haven't you? Ever done anything for God, knowing in your heart, God, I don't even know why I'm here. I'm a joke. Right? You ever thought that? Am I the only one this morning who's ever thought that? You know why? God don't strike us down because His mercy endureth forever. Amen. Because His mercy endureth forever. And if God showed the grace and the mercy there to the priests of Aaron, then surely we can understand it to an even greater extent because He has saved us by the blood of Christ who are unworthy. Paul said it like this, when we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Right? That's me and you. His mercy is exemplified in the people of God. It's exemplified in the priests of God. It's exemplified in the proselytes of God. That's the believers. Next there in verse number 11 of chapter 115, he said this, Ye that fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. Psalm 118 and verse number 4 Let them now that fear the Lord say that His mercy endureth forever. Who is this that feareth the Lord? Who are those that fear the Lord? Back in in, in chapter 115 verse 12 said this, The Lord hath been mindful of us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless them that fear the Lord. That's three different groups. The house of Israel, that's God's chosen people. The house of Aaron, that's specifically those who are the priests and chosen for the specific service of God. But what about those that fear the Lord? Well, that's those who put their fear and their faith and their trust in God. You know who that is? It's you. Has there been a time in your life where you obeyed Psalm 115 and verse number 11 and you, you put your trust in the Lord? Have you? With what? Well, if nothing else, with this, your immortal soul. If you're here and you're saved, say, so Brother Paul, I have trusted the Lord with my immortal soul, with salvation, I've been saved. Well, then you surely can understand now that His mercy endureth forever. Amen. That He would save you, knowing who you'd be, knowing how you'd be. Amen. That He would in no wise cast us out. That He would never leave us nor forsake us in spite of who we are? Surely we can understand that God's proof is exemplified in us that His mercy is good and it endures forever. Surely we can see that. Amen. Not only is the proof exemplified that his, of His good mercy, we see, the <clears throat> secondly, the power is expressed of His good mercy in verse number 6. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear what man can do unto me. I will not fear, what can man do unto me? Verse number 7, The Lord taketh my part with them that help me, therefore shall I see my desire upon them that hate me. We see His power is encouraging in verse number 6 where He says, The Lord is on my side, I will not fear, what can man do unto me? It's like He said in Psalm 56 verse 11, In God have I put my trust, I will not be afraid what man can do unto me. Very simply is this, His power is expressive of His good mercy, that God is on our side and therefore we can be encouraged. When you are in a low place, when you are in a fearful place, when you are in an uncertain place, there is something special about knowing that somebody is on your side. And can I tell you something this morning? God is always on your side. When no one else is on your side, the God of heaven looks down on us and in His great mercy... Not seeing us for who we are and how we are. And at our worst, He loves us and He is with us. Jesus said that we're in His Father's hand and no one can pluck us out of His Father's hand because He is with us. Amen. He's on our side. It is an an encouraging power that there is nothing that can happen, as the Bible said, that can separate us from the love of God. Amen. His power is encouraging. His power is enveloping. In verse 7 it said, "...the Lord taketh my part with them." That helped me. God helps those who help His own. In other words, the power of God envelops all those who love Him and who love His people. And This psalmist looked around and said, there are those who are helping me. The Lord is going to take my part with them. He is going to be with them on my side. Here's the picture of it. In spite of whatever may have been going on in the psalmist's life at that time, he looked around himself and he saw, God is working all around me. And His power is enveloping me. And it is enveloping those around me who I love and who love me and who love the Lord. And that God's hand is present all around our lives. How is that possible? Because His mercy endureth forever. Wouldn't you think that a just, righteous God, when He is up here working, doing everything He can to to help you and to to give you good and to pour out blessings, as we read there in Psalm 15. He said, I will bless them, I will bless them, I will bless them three times. You see it? Wouldn't you think that a just God, when He's blessing and blessing and helping and helping, when the one in the center of all that does not live for God the way they're supposed to? They go to work and act like a fool, or they go home and act like a fool, or in their heart they're just desiring evil, wicked things that God would say, okay, fine. Take, their hand off, take his hand off and back away, see how you like it now. Would you testify that that's how God has treated you? Because I can tell you God has poured out his blessings on me at the times when I have been the least deserving. How is that possible? It's possible for the Lord is good and his mercy endureth forever. Are you all understanding this morning what that word mercy means? Mercy means He is kind and He is good and He withholds ill, judgment, reproof, and anger just because. Not because, well, they were pretty good yesterday. So I'm going to give them a break today. No. Because for the Lord is good. Why does His mercy endure forever? Because He's good. Not because you're good. And not because you were good yesterday, and not because He knows, well, next week they'll get it together. That's not why. It's just because He's good, and because He loves you. The Lord is good. His mercy endureth forever. And His power proves that mercy. His power is shown. His power is expressed in that mercy that He would encourage us and help us... What can man do unto me as long as I am with my God? I won't fear man. His power envelops us, and all around us he's working, and his power is enduring, and he said this, Therefore shall I see my desire upon them that hate me. You know what that tells me? And you understand when you read the book of Psalms, a lot of times it's written during times of warfare and times of actual physical struggle between Israel and other nations, and that's probably what's being talked about here. Those who hate him and those who are his enemy and are trying to destroy him, he said this, that God... We'll bring vengeance on them because of what they've done to me, because God loves me. Well, who is our enemy? Who is our enemy? Satan. In fact, the Bible says we war not against flesh and blood. So a lot of the people that you look at sometimes and think, well, they're my enemy. They're really not. We are fighting a spiritual warfare. But we have enemies aplenty. And there are people, there's flesh and blood being influenced and driven and controlled by our enemy, and that is the devil, right? He's that wicked one. That's him. He's the, the little g god of this world, the prince of the powers of the air. That's who he is, right? One day, God is going to exact our desire for, ju- for judgment, for vengeance on him because of what he did to all of God's children. And it's going to be glorious. And I'm not going to shed one tear. Amen. Because he deserves it. Amen. That's just the fact, that's just the way that it is. He is the enemy of God. He is the enemy of good. He is the father of lies and the father of sin. And one day, judgment will be brought on that enemy. And when he is, guess what? That is the enduring power of God. That God, right now, His power is shown in protecting us, and holding us, in keeping us, and giving us mercy. But one day, He will raise that righteous hand and He will bring down judgment on the wicked enemy because vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will recompense. His power. His power expresses His mercy. And we see the peace expounded in His good mercy in verse number 8 of our text. Verse number 8 of our text says this, It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in men. Those two words there uh, connected, those two words are trust and confidence. Trust and confidence are two very similar but slightly different things. Trust is defined as a reliance or resting of the mind on the integrity, veracity, justice, Friendship or other sound principle of another person. That's trust. It is a reliance or resting of the mind on the good things in something, right? Or the, the integrity of it. A confidence, however, is defined very similarly as an assurance of the mind or firm belief in the integrity, stability, veracity of another, right? So they're very similar. But I would submit this uh, this difference in the two. Trust is the presently elected choice to rely on something. I'm choosing... To put my trust in something I'm I'm trusting. That's the direction of Psalm 115, 115. We read, trust in the Lord, trust in the Lord. It is a current, presently elected action and choice. Confidence is the previously established choice that you can rely on something. I have put my trust in it, and therefore I can have confidence. You understand? They are, in it, they are, they are inseparably linked together. And our verse says this, it is better to trust in the Lord than to have confidence in man. The reason for that is because this, God is faithful among the faithless. How many people have found their trust spurned, broken, rejected, and damaged in men? And yet the Lord, in spite of all the failures of men, God will never fail us. We can trust God at all times. Even when God's answer is no, we can trust Him that He knows what's best. Amen. Even when God's answer is not right now or, or His answer is something totally different than what we wanted, we can trust that His answer is best. Psalm 62, verse 8, Trust in Him at all times. Ye people, pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. Say Selah. Surely men of low degree are vanity and men of high degree are a lie. To be laid in the balance, they are altogether lighter than vanity. Very simply, the psalmist is saying this, you can trust God, but there's no men that you can truly trust. Now, don't go out here saying, hey, Brother Paul said we should never trust anybody. But I'll tell you this, no matter how much I want to be there for you, there are times when I can't be. Right? What happens when I physically can't get there? I don't have the power to always be there. My dad, my mom, as much as they love me, they don't have the power to always be there for me. They also don't always have the right answer. Sometimes they don't know what to tell me. I've had people come to me, Brother Paul, what should I do about this? And I've had to say, I don't know. Let's go pray and read the Bible and see if we can find a good answer, right? Because here's the truth. Man doesn't have any strength. Man's got no wisdom. Man's got no power. But God does. And God is faithful when everyone else is faithless. That's who He is. God is faithful amongst the faithless. He's powerful amongst the powerless. In verse 9 it said, It is better to trust in the Lord than to put your confidence in princes. Let me say this. It's important. I believe it's important to exercise our right to vote. Amen. I think you should care who is in leadership in your country. Amen. And I think we should vote for the people who line up with what thus saith the Word of God. Amen. Those things are all good. But at the end of the day, I don't have my, my faith and my trust in the government of the United States of America. Because it is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. That's the truth. The truth is that God will be there. Psalm 20, verse 7 says, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Very simply, it's this. The things that men put their stock in as being strong have no strength. The things that men put their confidence in being powerful have no power. The only one who has power is God. Amen. All power is given unto Him. That's just the way that it is. That's who He is. It's just like when Pilate told the Lord Jesus, like, why don't you say something? I've got the power to, to, to kill you or let set you free. And Jesus said, the only power you have is what is given to you by my Father in heaven. You know why? Because all power is His. So the only power that is left is what God lets out. And that's it. God is powerful amongst the powerless. And here's the truth. When it comes to mercy, we've got to understand this. That peace is expounded in good mercy. I can trust in the Lord. And when I trust in the Lord, then I can have peace. Some people can't lay their head down at night and have peace because of the way things go in the government. Some people can't lay down their head at night and have peace because of the way that things are going with men. But if our faith and our trust is in God, then we can have peace. No matter what happens with men, no matter what happens with princes. Let me give you an important note about peace. We're almost done this morning. Colossians chapter three verse 15, Paul said this, "Let the peace of God rule in your hearts to the which also you're called in one body, and be thankful." He said, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. And I think that's twofold in the context of the Scripture. I believe he's talking about the peace of God ruling in our hearts amongst one another. That's why he says, in, to, to the which also you are called in one body. He's talking about the peace of God amongst the people of God. Amen. But that peace of God that rules in our hearts is also in Philippians called the peace of God which passeth understanding. And the peace of God can only come, that inward peace can only come because of the mercy of God. God is merciful, so should we be merciful and allow God's peace to rule in our hearts and in our midst. Here's the thing about peace. You have to let the peace of God rule in your heart. You have to let it. That means you have to allow it. Stop holding on with both hands to those things that steal away your peace. And give them to God. And you'll find that He's merciful. And His mercy is a reason to trust in peace. Lastly, I want you to see this and we're done. Turn with me to the book of Lamentations chapter number 3. Lamentations chapter number 3. We could begin reading in verse number 1 and go all the way down through verse number 20. We won't, but we read down through here. And, and <clears throat> Jeremiah is speaking about the wrath of God. He's speaking about... The affliction of God, and that how that he has been, he has literally been, uh, he's been subjected to the judgment of God around his people, and that the judgment of God around his people has also put him in the midst of judgment. Verse 6, he said, He set me in dark places as they that be dead of old. And Jeremiah has literally been put down in pits, he's been put in stocks, and all this because of trying to serve the Lord. He has, he's been the derision of his people, he's experienced bitterness, he's gone through very difficult times. And in verse 19, he said, remembering mine affliction and my misery, the wormwood and the gall. So Jeremiah is looking at his life and he's seeing dark days. Dark times, difficult times. But the last thing I want us to see this morning as we consider the mercy of God is the personal experience of His good mercy. Because here's the truth. This morning I'm standing here Reading the Bible, trying to, to shine a light on God's mercy. For those of you who are here this morning who are saved, who are right with God, who are who are, who are listening this morning, when, when we talk about the mercy of God, you know what I'm talking about. Amen. And you'll hear a amen. Or you'll see a hand go up, or you'll see a amen, a nod, and, and, and a look. Like, that's right. But if God treated me the way I deserve to be treated, He wouldn't be good to me like He is. He loves me in spite of me. And all those things, we don't understand all those things. But then you look around and there are some faces where you wonder, right? Do they get it? Do they see it? Because Jeremiah spent 20 verses looking around and he said this, I'm remembering my affliction. I'm remembering my misery. I'm remembering the wormwood and the gall, the bitterness of life. Right? Let's be honest. Sometimes we get caught up in that, don't we? Sometimes we look around and we say, I don't know, man. Sometimes I just think God's not really been all that good to me. Can I tell you what you're doing? You're doing the same thing that the children of Israel did. They looked back at Egypt and they said, Oh, they, there was leeks and onions and, and meat. And now we're choking on this heaven bread. Right? They were remembering it wrong. They were focusing on the wrong things. They were focusing on, on the things that were worldly and that were not of God. They, they were focusing on the wrong things. But here's the truth. Jeremiah, after he, he laments all the pain and the suffering and the gall and the wormwood and the bitterness, he said this in verse number 21. He remembers God's mercy. This I recall to my mind, and therefore have I hope. And he begins to review his merit and he says this, It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. This morning in Sunday school, speaking about that word wretched, Brother Tim made the statement something like, the more spiritual you get, the more you recognize your sin. It's true. That's why Paul said, oh, wretched man that I am. He realized who he really was, right? Because the closer you get to God, the more you see those things. And as Jeremiah is talking about the bitterness and the wormwood and the difficult days and the hard times... He, be- he remembers suddenly, begins to recall and remember God's mercy. And he said, and I recall in my mind and therefore I have hope. How can I have hope? Because His mercies are new every morning. His compassions fail not. And he reviews his own merit and he says this, It's of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed. Consumed. That word consumed, it means completely destroyed. When something is consumed, there's nothing left. Here's what Jeremiah said. If God was not merciful, I wouldn't be in bitterness. I wouldn't be in a dark place. I wouldn't be in a dark time. I would be utterly destroyed. Literally Going through trials, knowing that there is hope on the other side, is the mercy of God. Going through storms, difficult storms. People lose loved ones every day. Difficult. This weekend, people will recall, they will remember ones they've lost who gave their lives in service to our country. And when they do, they'll experience sorrow. Right? But, if we are saved, then we can recall this to our mind. And even in the midst of dark days, even in the midst of difficult times, even in the midst of storms, great storms, we can have hope. Why? Because it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Very simply, there is no day that ends in darkness and does not resurrect with a bright morning for a Christian. For a Christian, the end is hope. For a Christian, the end is joy. For a Christian, the end is mercy, it's not judgment. It's mercy. Amen. It's grace. And if we will remember God's mercy, and if we will review our own merit and understanding that really, we don't deserve any good thing that God's ever done for us, then surely our response should be just as Jeremiah's in verse 24 where he said this, The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in Him. What our texts say in Psalm 118 verse 28, Thou art my God. It's personal experience. I will praise Thee. Thou art my God. I will exalt Thee. God is good, and the goodness of God is expressed in that His mercy is everlasting. Amen. But why would I praise Him? Because I have experienced the mercy of God. Have you experienced the mercy of God? If you have, then you should obey that verse found over 40 times in this way. His mercy endureth forever. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. For He is good, and His mercy endureth forever. If you're here this morning and you've been going through a dark time and you're going through a deep trial, let me give you some encouraging words. His mercy endureth forever. There is a moment coming up ahead where you will look back and those trials will seem like nothing. Whether it is here or over there. There is a moment up ahead when there will be no more dark days. There is a moment up ahead where you will only ever again experience the goodness of God. And why? Because His mercy endureth forever. Can I tell you that if His mercy was not everlasting... And if it was not enduring, and by the way, to endure something is to bear down and no matter what happens, to push through it. And that's how God's mercy is. That even when we are sinful and wicked and do things, that should cause Him to not be merciful. Instead, it endures. It endures us. And it continues being merciful. And He continues to pour out His grace. Why? For the Lord is good. The Lord is good. it's all stand. Thank you again for listening to the Calvary Road Baptist Church podcast. If you would like to learn more about our church in Shepherdsville, Kentucky, you can find the link to our website in the show notes to www.calvaryroadbaptistchurch.com. We're so thankful that you've taken the time to listen to today's sermon. and We hope that the Lord will use it to edify you in the faith. If you'd like to help spread the word about this podcast, you can do so by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts or by telling a friend. Thank you again, and have a blessed day in the Lord.